G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career, right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Coming up, to say he turned heads at NXT TakeOver 30 is an understatement. My guest this week blew expectations clean out of the water, and Pat McAfee's here to talk about what a weekend it was as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and to be perfectly honest, I am still recovering from the weekend that was. No shortage of things to talk about, so let's start at the very top. Friday night on Fox, the debut of the WWE Thunderdome. To be perfectly honest, I don't think anybody knew what to expect. And while we're being honest, I will happily admit it blew my expectations out of the water. It was the closest thing to normal that I think any of us have felt since pre-pandemic days. And visually, man, it was mind-blowing. I think the numbers were somewhere around NBA has 70-ish digital fans at any given time inside their bubble. And I believe we are closer in the neighborhood of 1,600 at a time It's like being inside of a video game. It was awesome. It was so much fun. And then Saturday, the fun continued. I'm going to get to that in depth shortly before Sunday arrived and the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam. You'll never see it coming. And now I think we finally know what it is. The return of the big dog, Roman Reigns, a welcome addition to what I thought was a blast of a main event. I know nothing is everybody's cup of tea, but to watch two big bad dudes like the fiend and Braun just destroy each other and the ringside area was fun we advertised it as a horror movie come to life and that's kind of how it was with the exception of you know two gratuitous gore and violence which if it were up to me everything would look like a tom savini film but i talked about saturday and what a blast it was i was invited to return to where it all began for me the original scene of the crime full sale university takeover 30 it was Really, really cool to be a part of. It was a privilege. Everybody there was so welcoming. I got to see a lot of familiar faces and meet quite a few new ones. The vibe, the energy all day was tangible. Uh, So cool to be a part of. And my guest today was no small reason why I had so much fun. I've had the honor of being on his show numerous times over the past few years. He is a close personal friend of mine and now He is the hottest name in the business without actually ever being in the business, Pat McAfee. Pat, we are several days removed from your critically acclaimed in-ring debut at NXT TakeOver 30. Has the buzz worn off yet? I think the buzz, by the way, thank you for that intro. That was unbelievable (laughs) the way you introed me. I very much uh, appreciate that. Being on this podcast is something I've looked forward to for a long, long time since you announced the podcast. I what, what was that show you had on the network where you were just touring around doing a bunch of interesting things? Culture shock. Culture shock. I want to bring that back because that was the most fun I've had in my WWE tenure. Hey, 
I enjoy that show a lot. So whenever I heard you were hosting a, a podcast, obviously I get to pay attention and listen wherever I can. I think you do a great job. So thank you for having me. Uh, the buzz from Saturday night. I don't know if that's ever going to wear off, Corey, just like personally. That's something I knew on Saturday whenever it was all happening, when I was heading to the ring, whenever I was cutting the promo backstage. I knew it was something that I would remember on my deathbed. So that's kind of a cool thing to have. Like, okay, this is something that I'm going to remember forever. So uh, the buzz might be dying off on the internet a little bit, but for me, I'm not sure I'll ever forget what happened on Saturday night. In the weeks leading up to it, because you and I have been friends for quite some time, and I, I got to spend some time at your uh, your compound that you were residing in temporarily in Orlando to do your actual real life's work while preparing for TakeOver. I know myself and, uh, and Hawk in particular, AJ Hawk, who co-hosts some shows with you, we're busting your chops pretty hard, trying to psych you out a little bit, seeing if you were actually as prepared as you thought you were. And I will willfully admit in front of the world on my own show that you exceeded expectations. You blew them clean out of the water. And I didn't think, I, I think I said it to you right after the match when we were standing by the ring uh, earlier in the day when, when I had said, I didn't think it was going to suck, but I didn't think it was going to be good. And it was really good. <laughs> Man, so t talk to me about your preparation leading up to this. Well, I appreciate it. that means a lot because I know you've seen a lot of wrestling. I mean, there for Too a much. while you were calling, I think, like 40 hours a week, a live television, live <laughs> wrestling. So right. to hear you say that means a lot, obviously. And since you, just like everybody else, been wrestling since like high school, which I didn't even know was possible, even though you and I grew up like six minutes away from each other. I didn't even know that was possible. So to hear you say that in what you said to me, you know, in the days leading up to the match and everything like that, there was a little bit of worry. I am a person that operates very much on the fact that I am so stupid. I just assume that I can do anything. I just, <laughs> I, it's been, it has been a gift. It has been a gift in this life just to be like, I'm so dumb. I'm like, oh, I could do it. I could figure it out. But leading up to obviously AJ Hawk, who's Super Bowl champion, who's one of my co-hosts uh, for McPhee and Hawk, what he started saying to me, you know, he is like four kids. He's, you know, a little bit more of an adult in the entire thing. And then you started creeping in with these things. And for me, the biggest move was just trying to keep all that doubt out. And obviously you guys put up some compelling arguments on why I should be very stressed for what was going to happen <laughs> on Saturday night. Uh, and I did think about that, but I went in there and I had no idea what was going to happen, obviously. And I knew that I was going in there with a guy who, although he was a scumbag, incredibly talented in the ring. So for me, I've been a fan of takeovers for so long. I've been a fan of wrestling for so long. I understood the amount of pressure that it was on me to put on a good show. And uh, I think I was just pumped to get in there and see what happened. But boy, I what, what you mentioned leading up to the thing about being winded, there were some moments in there where I thought I was potentially never going to be able to breathe again. And, uh, <laughs> and there is no worse feeling in the world than being on your back in the ring and not being able to catch your breath. And your legs feel like they're 300 pounds a piece. And it's very, very terrifying. I had a few of those conversations with myself. And I would be lying if I didn't say in a couple of those moments, Corey and AJ were right, you know. <laughs> Corey, Corey and AJ were 100% right. They said this was going to happen. Uh, but it was, all in all, I woke up Sunday very sore. My neck was sore, my back was sore, my foot was sore. Uh, but it was nice to get on the other side of that thing and still be able to breathe on numerous occasions. I had that thought. Talk to me a little bit about uh, working with Adam Cole. We said in, in the lead up to this, this was all, you know, very, very, uh, very personal, lots of biting comments back and forth. 
But ultimately, as we know, it takes two to tango. What did it mean to have a true pro like Adam Cole uh, as your dance partner? Well, I've gotten a chance to watch Adam Cole work, you know, and not only with the kickoff shows, but also from afar, whenever you're watching USA Network Wednesdays at eight o'clock. I mean, watching Adam Cole go to work and even diving into leading up to the match, I watched his old stuff. You're talking about from Honorable Ring, from CZW. I even got some stuff. You're talking about from Japan. I, I've got, I watched a lot of Adam Cole. And it just, the newfound respect, not only after going in there and dancing with him and having the whole thing, but just watching his whole body of work. The dude is so incredibly talented. I, I mean, it's annoying how talented he is. It, it's one of those things where it becomes a little bit too much, but his takeover matches are always incredible. I knew that. And me getting put into a spot where I had to wrestle Adam Cole at a takeover, especially a monumental one like 30, I mean, that heightens everything, especially because the NXT fans expect greatness at takeovers because of the greatest wrestling shows that ever happened. So for me, knowing that I was going in there with a guy that was so incredibly talented uh, was obviously going to be a tall task, but something I, I looked forward to and was very pumped and thankful for. So you just mentioned several other companies around the world. And during the, the lead up to this takeover match, you were sort of portrayed as this outsider, someone who didn't believe, didn't belong in, in a ring. But that's I mean, not necessarily anywhere close to accurate. Um, now, now that that's out of the way, you're allowed to be a fan. Obviously, you've had several cups of coffee doing t- kickoff shows and various appearances over the past couple of years. But you obviously have a passion for this. Talk to me about your love of sports entertainment and how you even got to this place to begin with. I've talked about this a couple of times. I, I think I grew up, you and I roughly same age. I think anybody that's in our age demo, getting a chance to watch the Monday Night Wars in the Attitude Era as like an early teen and through that whole era there was just a gift. I mean, it took over everything in pop culture. Mm-hmm. The Monday Night Wars were everything. So with those big personalities that were there, obviously The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, Triple H, everybody that was a part of that thing, it was just massive and monumental uh, entertainment every single week. But for me, growing up where we grew up, I, I think I could you understand this a lot. And I think a lot of people who grew up in towns that had above ground pools and trampolines know exactly what I'm talking about here. <laughs> whenever, whenever I was asked, when I was asked, what do you want to be when you get older? I never knew what I wanted to be, but I knew I wanted to be rich. It's all I, I was, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I don't know. So it, my mind as a kid would bounce around for different professions. I, I was never the guy who was like, you know what? I had uncles that were firefighters and I was so incredibly proud of them. And I was like, but I was never like, okay, I want to be, a, I never want to be a teacher. I don't know if I have that in me. I don't want to do, I don't want to do this. I want to be rich. I want to find a job that is going to make me and my family comfortable uh, for the long haul. So as a child, I knew that very young. Like I knew that very, very, very young. And when I watched wrestling, it was just the first time where I really felt like I connected with the humans. I was like, okay, they're incredibly athletic. They're outgoing. They have personalities. Uh, They are living these larger than life characters. Sometimes they're hated. Sometimes they're loved. And I just related to wrestling more than anything else. I thought there was a chance I'd do soccer. Uh, I thought there was a chance I'd get into acting, stand-up comedy. There was all these things that I thought like, okay, here's a position, a profession that you make money and here's what they do. But I never related to something as much as I related to wrestling. So ever since that moment, it was always a seed in my head. It was like, I think that's what I was put on this earth to do. I think that's what I was supposed to do. After college, I got in a match with Warpig. You saw how that ended up in South Charleston, West Virginia, one, two, three. (laughs) And then I go and have a successful NFL career. But that entire time, 
I would literally go to indie shows. I went down to OVW a couple times in Louisville. Anytime WWE came to Indianapolis, I was at the show. I mean, you're just talking about my fanhood remained while the entire uh, career of mine took off. So it was always something that was in there. And then getting a chance from Michael Cole to be a part of the kickoff shows and learn a little bit about the business and meet some people. It was just, it almost solidified the fact that like, hey, this is the world I think I'm supposed to be in. And then whenever the Adam Cole situation pops off, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to get in there and see if it was worth it or not. And it was a big show up and show out moment for me. It was like, you either show up or you shut up. And uh, it was cool because I got messages from people like high school, college, NFL, every human I've ever talked to, it's like, hey, I think I'm supposed to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> everybody. I got messages from everybody that was like, hey, son of a knew it. I mean, you're, you're pretty good. I messed up a lot in there. But it, it, Saturday was a big thing for me, like an entire life of wondering if this is what I was supposed to do or not, if this was a world I was welcomed in or not. Oh, and you touched on it with our age group and, and referring to like the attitude era. Isn't it wild? We look at it a lot as the good old days now as, oh man, wrestling was, was this and it was that and that's what made us all fans. But I don't think you can really appreciate the magnitude of the success of the Attitude Era until there's an entire generation of people who just look at it and, and it's, it is pop culture. And there, I've met so many people, as we all have now, that the, the commonality is WWE or, or WCW or pro wrestling as a whole, just because in that time frame in America, it was huge. It was massive. And if you'd have told me even back then, oh, I'm going to be sitting here working for WWE, which was always a dream of mine, but having a conversation with, with a, a Pro Bowl NFL player who has a litany of other jobs. Uh, but why are we friends? The basis of it all is pro wrestling. It's, it's just crazy when you think about that. It's very insane because although you and I grew up relatively close to each other, never meeting each other, but relatively close to each other. If somebody's a wrestling fan, I immediately know about them. Like, I, I feel like I immediately know about them. I know exactly what they're like. I know exactly what we can talk about. It's just something that it's always felt like it was in me, you know? And uh -huh. I think a lot of people feel that way. They get into the business. It's like, and wrestling is just something that shaped my personality. I think if you see how I act and if you talk to me, I think you would be like, oh, you could tell that this guy's personality was probably shaped via professional wrestling whenever he was a child and growing up. I mean, it's just, there's so much about it that made me who I am and getting a chance, obviously where takeover 30 was just some of the, is the coolest thing. I mean, I got married. So biggest day of my life getting married, obviously hero, a <laughs> uh, big time hero there, but that is something I will remember on my deathbed forever is takeover 30. And it's something that started for, for both of us. And for a lot of wrestling fans, whenever I was just a kid, uh, a small little kid and not a lot of things maintained throughout your entire life, but whenever something gets you like wrestling does it, I think it's something that just lasts forever. I completely agree with you. And the one thing that stood out to me on Saturday was, was being around your crew, which by the way, for those that don't know, McAfee has a crew. It's like entourage in real life at all times. Uh, all wonderful human beings. I'm a big fan of all of them, but I was talking to AJ Hawk, as we mentioned before. And I asked him after the match, I said, do you have the bug yet? And he just kind of gave me that look like he, he didn't really understand our world and what that totally is, but just that little glimpse behind the curtain and into, into the world and what makes us tick. It's contagious, man. What are the odds you're passing this bug on to, to anyone in your circle or beyond? I don't know how big of a uh, fan Darius Butler was like maybe of wrestling or whatever, but these last couple weeks he has, I think enjoyed the hell out of it. Like I've thanked him like, Hey man, thanks for coming to the NXT arena. So I don't get my kicked or whatever. He's like, no, no, no. 
thank you, man. Like, like, <laughs> and he was like, if you have any photos, by the way, of me standing near HBK or Triple H, like if you could send those over, that'd be cool. It's like once people kind of get a glimpse at what it is and you learn that, yes, wrestling has that reputation of being wrestling or whatever, but it's, it's so much, it's athletics, it's comedy, it's drama. It's just, it's everything. It's the perfect form of entertainment. And I think people might have, like maybe AJ wasn't that big of a fan growing up, but now getting a chance to like witness it, you just have a whole new appreciation for it. There's guys in my office. And by the way, Art, the boys love you too. So it's, you are a big fan of mine. Now the boys don't love everybody. Okay. That is not a, that is not a normal thing. They, they are I'll a take it as, as a high compliment, very high oh, compliment. It's hard to win that group over. I mean, they are, it is hard to win them over. I made my best effort to win everybody over when I name dropped Nick Moraldo, who was left out of every photo, every promotional material uh, in the lead up to this matchup. And I felt like he needed his just joke because I knew he's a, he's a major part of the crew. World-class table tennis enthusiast. <laughs> One of the best things ever. I have no idea where it came all day after I think Hawk had mentioned to me, you got to, you got to say his name on the, on the broadcast. I said, all right, I can do that, but I wasn't going to let it just go unscathed. I had to have fun with it. And all day I'm like, I could say this, I could say that. And then we're in the moment and he was on camera and I knew I was going to have about three seconds and that was it. And I don't know why world-class table tennis enthusiast came to my mind, but he has now been christened as such for the entire WWE universe to enjoy. Has he changed his Twitter bio? I'm going to have to check that. But the, um, <laughs> he should have changed his Twitter bio immediately upon that happening. But all the boys loved it, man. We've had so much fun with this whole thing. Now, granted, Todd, my guy Ty, who has colitis, who got pushed, he wasn't exactly thrilled with how unprofessional Adam Cole was. But this entire thing has been a lot of fun. A lot of wrestling fans in the office, a lot of new wrestling fans in the office. And it would be cool to see AJ and Darius potentially get in there. And even the world-class tennis or table tennis enthusiast, Nick, the Italian stooge, let him throw some hands. <laughs> Talk to everybody uh, about your real life, so to speak, and what you'd live day to day, because in my interactions with you, every one of them have been a great time, a lot of fun, but definitely far from predictable. You live one of the most interesting lives day to day of anybody that I know. Yeah, it's dumb. It's a very, very dumb. <laughs> I, I live the, the dumbest life. I have no idea how it's become a profession. Uh, but it is. It's very dumb. I mean, I don't know. I've always found myself in interesting situations. Okay. I've, I've, I got a chance to travel around with Peyton Manning a little bit. He found me entertaining. So he would bring me to things and I would look around and I'm like, why the hell am I here right now? And, but I've always realized that I'm, I end up in stupid situations, right? So anytime I'm in a situation that I feel like, oh, this would be a good story for my boys or for my family or whatever, I like take it in. You know, I'm like looking around, realizing how dumb my life is. I'm like, somebody's going to want to hear this. And it's been going all the way back since like high school. I mean, the story about the poker game to get enough money to go down to a kicking camp to eventually kick a 65-yard field goal to get a scholarship to West Virginia. It's just, there's a series of events in my life that are just so dumb, so ridiculous, so lucky. And I just, I try to enjoy it. I understand that I'm very fortunate, very lucky. Uh, and I just try to enjoy the hell out of it. But yeah, I mean, our business, we, we create live shows on a daily basis. We have podcasts. We do a lot of marketing for people. We do live shows. We do stand-up. We do merch. 
We do it like there's a lot of things that happen on a day-to-day basis, but with the internet, just like everything, everything changes so quick, especially with opportunities that pop up from incredible people like the WWE or I went and played professional baseball one time just because I got asked to do so. Shout out to the the Washington Wild things. I'm I'm working on that. That's on my bucket list. Once hopefully things get back to normal, I'm going to go man the right field corner like McAfee did once. Hey, I'll tell you, you got to hold it down out there. It's a no-fly zone, pal. Okay, that's a no-fly zone. I never played baseball before a day in my life. That's my first time in a batter's box with the Washington Wild Things. It was incredible. But that's just my, I live a very dumb life and I'm very fortunate for it. And the internet is a business uh, in of itself that involves a lot of different professions and how stupid my life is really bears well for it or bodes well for it. You explained to me your mindset as pertains to life uh, a few weeks ago about taking the next thing. Can you, can you just, just looking at life one step at a time? Can you, can you run me through that again? Cause I think, I think that's useful knowledge for all humans. I think everybody really believes that, you know, you talk about how you're a chess player. I'm a chess player. I'm a chess player. I'm thinking four moves ahead. Well, I am not like, I'm not smart enough to do that. I am very much a checkers player. Okay. I'm trying <laughs> to jump over the person right now. And then I, I'm trying to jump over the piece right now. And I'm trying to get king. That's all I'm trying to do. So I don't really, a lot of things aren't planned out. Uh, just because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, especially in the world that we're in right now. I mean, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. So for me, I'm always focused on what is next. So for me, it might be a meeting. Okay. It might be a merch meeting. Okay. It might be the show. It might be this interview. It might be a workout. It might be a match. And I'm always just trying to focus on whatever's next so that I can be a hundred percent in the moment of what it's happening. And then, okay, whatever's next, we'll worry about that whenever we get there. And I wish I was better at like planning ahead and like thinking four steps ahead, like some cerebral people are. But for me, I just try to completely baptize myself in the situation, enjoy it, make the most of it out as possible, be the best I can possibly be, and then move on to the next thing. That's why I got asked, the conversation was happening very loudly around me the last couple of days before TakeOver 30 and now after TakeOver 30 about, are you going to get in the ring again? Are you going to wrestle again? And whenever I said like, well, I haven't even thought about that. I think people thought I was lying. It's like, no, no, no. Like I, I, am <laughs> only, I was only worried about that match. So whenever I was training, I was only worried about training for that match. Let me get through this match. And then we'll talk about that on Sunday. Then Sunday obviously came and I literally had to roll out of bed because I could barely stand up. And I was like, all right, I guess now we have to think about what we're going to do. So it's just, it really is how I do my life. And I think it's because of what the NFL is. The NFL is like meeting, treatment, practice, this, this. And if you worry about something too far down the road, you're going to miss whatever's right in front of you. So I just try to do that with everything basically. Right on, man. And you, you said that to me, you explained that to me last week. And I was like, wow, it was beautiful in its simplicity. Well, I am the most simple human of all time. I mean, <laughs> I, I, am, I mean, if I like it, there's a good chance a lot of people like it. And it's, uh, it's paid off just because of my, how simple of a human I am. Well, um, amongst the wild weekend that you experienced as part of TakeOver 30, uh, Friday night, we unveiled the WWE Thunderdome and then followed up on Sunday with SummerSlam. What are your thoughts from a fan perspective? Take your uh, in-ring workhorse boots off for a minute. <laughs> Let's be fans again. Let me put the fan hat back on. There you I, go. Um, I honestly, I was a big fan of it. I, I just, you know, because WWE has always been at the front 
creative wise, has always been at the front idea wise. I mean, you got to look back whenever Vince launched the WWE network, everybody called him an idiot, right? That's they, true. They, the business was going to crumble because of the WWE network. Now every single company is attempting to have a paid subscription service. Like yep. every company, he's like 10 years ahead of the five years ahead of that or whatever. And they said he was going to ruin the company. Now it's like, so WWE, I feel like if you've been a fan for a long time, you realize like, okay, these folks, they're utilizing their form of entertainment, but they are ahead of everybody else. So whenever I saw the performance center get flipped into the thing, I was excited to see what happened next with WWE. What does the WWE decide to do next? Because I feel like that is something WWE has always done. So then when the Thunderdome gets introduced, you know, because you see the NBA have the Zoom virtual fans and their success with it. And there's like Belgian soccer doing it. And there's like a lot of people doing it. And then to take it to the next level, I was very interested to see how it would work with the delay because the Zoom would have the delay. But it feels like that's kind of getting battled through. But the grandness of it all, getting a chance to see uh, some fans out there and see some reaction, which is a big part of wrestling. I think it was a good idea, a cool idea. And I'm happy the Amway Center there in Orlando is one that's uh, looks awesome. It looks absolutely awesome down there. Yeah, I was blown away by it. Whenever we, we saw it, I first got to the arena on Friday and I walked in and my first thought was, I'm going to swallow my tongue and slip into a coma because this is like so overwhelming. I'm going to have a full-blown seizure because of all the flashing lights and lasers and all this madness. And that was, they were still kind of dialing everything in. So when we sat down, I remember looking at Cole and even the, the few minutes before we went live, it felt special and it felt normal. Granted, it's not back to normal where we actually have 18,000 people screaming and, and that tangible energy, but visually speaking, being able to look off to my side and see fans and faces and the entrances and, and the capabilities of these LED boards are absolutely mind-blowing. The Fiend's entrance was already incredible, and then you put it inside the Thunderdome, and it's like, wait a minute, man. It, it was just, it blew my expectations away, and I've been hearing about this thing for weeks. For me, too, the flames that were coming up in between, the, I mean, it was oh, just yeah. like, it was, I don't want to say over the top, but it was, it was this grand big deal and it's like okay here we go this is the wwe taking advantage of every possible thing that they can currently do and being the best at it and it felt good to watch you guys roll that out and i've enjoyed the hell out of watching it was a blast did you have uh did you recover enough on sunday to get eyes on SummerSlam? oh yeah i watched SummerSlam. come on i watched SummerSlam. what does mr mcafee enjoy watching on the raw and smackdown brands these days hey i'll tell you what wreck everyone and leave is that, what he, is that yeah. the, <laughs> yes hey, sir the big dog see, hey you'll never see it coming okay you'll yep. never see it coming i saw the backslide or whatever pin and they were like you never saw it coming i was like no way that is the never see it and then all of a sudden a big dog who became a bigger dog i mean right. he came hey yo he yoked <laughs> but i that was beautiful like, I, I thought that was absolutely beautiful. Obviously, there was a lot of great matches in there. And after coming out of the ring now for the first time, I have a whole new respect for not, – not that I didn't respect the profession. I did respect the profession. But the next day feeling – like, for instance, Dominic. Dominic made his debut as well, right, for the Mysterio Correct. family. Correct, yes. The Seth Rollins match was insane. I mean, he did a lot of awesome things. And then Monday night, he was back in there with a full match. And I was like, hey, man. If they would have called me on Sunday and said, hey, we need we need like a 15, 20 uh, or we need another match out of you. I don't know if I would have been able to do it. So like, I, I think I'm watching everything 
and this is going to sound so ridiculous, but on Sunday I was watching everything as, okay, how would I feel the next day if that happened to me? Or if I, <laughs> that's how I'm watching everything. But I enjoyed SummerSlam. I enjoyed SummerSlam. Uh, I enjoyed the Thunderdome. I enjoyed the Raw. And I, I feel like it's been cool to, you know, dive back into enjoying the product. And I, I think sometimes you get a little jaded with the way some things are. But right now, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, I think. I feel like as long as I've been here within the company, Sunday night after SummerSlam, we went back to the hotel and everybody was, you know, on top of the world because it was a, a solid, fun weekend, a bit of a return. I don't want to say a return, but a step toward normalcy. And the vibe from top to bottom, from the bosses to the crew members to the cameramen to we were all uh, we had a, a bit of a goodbye party for Miss Renee Young. And we celebrated the best way we know how until about four o'clock in the morning because everybody was just on top of the world. It was it's been so long since we've all as a group felt that energy. It used to be a, a pretty regular occurrence. It, like anything, you get stuck in the grind. Man, the schedule's hellacious and you get tired and you're burned out. But there's no substitute for that high you're on when you're done with a great show, whether it be a Raw or a SmackDown or a pay-per-view. In this case, for me personally, it was the first Thunderdome SmackDown. TakeOver was a blast when I got to be part of that. And then SummerSlam to where when I got back, I was physically sort of exhausted, but I could have gone another two days, I felt. You know what I mean? And it just it permeates the whole company. By the way, shout out to Renee. What a legend. Absolutely. the best, man. Will be missed severely. She was so nice to me every single time. We got a chance to work together a couple of times. She was awesome. So shout out to her. Shout out to you guys celebrating her until 4 a.m., by the way. That's hey, you got to do it proper, man. I mean, that's the basis of our friendship. <laughs> hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to celebrate Renee until midnight? No. I, I figured if we stayed up, I might might be able to convince her to, to stay, you know, but that didn't have any, any luck with that. But uh, me finding out that you were calling my match, I was so pumped. I was so, so, I was so excited for that. I really was. I Listen, obviously anybody that would have been calling that match, I'm a fan of a lot of the commentators. I've had a chance to work with a lot of commentators. I am that department under Michael Cole is a cool group of humans all together. But whenever I heard you were going to be calling it, you and Vic and, and Betsy, you know, she's, she stormed off the set the last time I was there and she was so nice to me during the match. I mean, it was just something, it was really, really cool. It was a nice little bonus that I was pumped up about. Man. It was really fun because I did your show on what was it Thursday prior and I had made a joke about, Oh, I might stop by and full disclosure had no intention of physically being there. I was definitely going to watch, but then I find out Friday evening, like, Hey, you might be needed on Saturday. And I went, Oh, all right. And yeah, I was just as stoked, particularly for that matchup, just because I was like, wow, I'm going to get to call my friend's big special match. And the fact that you didn't suck really made things better. I would have loved to hear you dance around me being terrible. I, I, would, I would have loved to hear how that I would have loved to hear. Let's, let's be happy. I didn't have to bring out the claws on that one. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're very vocal. You have been in the past about your relationship with, as you referred to him, Mr. H. Uh, Triple H, but as a fan, now that you've infiltrated this world and you get to interact with a, a lot of you know familiar faces and people that you grew up watching, uh, what are some of your favorite interactions you've had since being part of WWE? Mr. H is obviously the coolest one, just because I'm, I'll never forget the first time I was uh, asked to come do the kickoff show. It was WrestleMania down in New Orleans. It was my okay. first time doing a kickoff show, and Michael Cole had called me like a week beforehand. I get a text. It's like, do you have time to talk? This is Michael Cole. And I responded. I said, Michael Cole, like WWE Michael Cole? 
<laughs> and he was like, yes. I was like, yeah, I have time. We talked like literally 30 seconds after that. So we have this full conversation and I'm just mind blown the entire time. He's like, hey, we were wondering if you wanted to come down, uh, be a part of our kickoff panel for our NXT TakeOver. We saw what you did at the NXT Live event in Indianapolis a couple months ago. We we're wondering if we want to do that. I'm like, yes. Like this has been my, I would love to, however I can be a part of this business, let's do it. So shout out to Michael Cole, right, for making that happen. Then I go down there and the commentators are always suit and tie, right? Everything, everybody's dressed very, very nice. Very, very, very nice. Like that is just not how I operate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to tie. Did you tie. wear a suit or tie to your own wedding? No, I wore, I didn't, I wore a suit, but no tie. And I wore okay. shorts. I wore tuxedo shorts, just strictly. I wore tuxedo shorts to my wedding. Just so if Michael Cole and I ever talk, you know, and he, we bring up the WrestleMania moment where I had tuxedo shorts. I, I was going to get there. Wedding. I was going to get there, but you, you brought me there. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Uh, there is, this is something of, of internet wrestling lore that I didn't find out about until I think I read about it on the internet several days later. I remember you being there in shorts, but I walk us through that little interaction. Well, so that first time I went down there, I had jorts on. Okay. So that first wrestle or that first WrestleMania takeover down there in New Orleans, I forget what number it was. I have jorts on with a sport coat with a tie in a button down. Right. So I was like, Hey, I am business on top party on the bottom. I'm trying to set the precedent. Like, how I'm going to dress, right? Like I'm trying yeah. to, because if I go in there full suit, really nice, like, okay, that's the expectation now right. every single time. And I don't own enough suits to do that. Like I, like I do not, and I don't even know how to tie tie. I'd have Sam Roberts tie my tie the first time. So it's like, it was a very <laughs> interesting situation. So I finally get to WrestleMania, the next WrestleMania, a year from then, it was in New York. New York, right. Uh, in the shadows of New York City. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Take I, that, LaGreca. <laughs> I get there and um, I was told leading up to it, Michael Cole says, no jorts. Okay. You cannot wear jorts for this. You're going to be on the WrestleMania kickoff show on USA network. No jorts. And I was like, I'm not going to wear jorts. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to wear jorts. Okay. Don't you worry about that. I'm not going to wear jorts. It's WrestleMania. Okay. I understand this is a big deal. I'm pumped to be a part of it. Thank you so much. So I actually go and get tailored. Like I, this is my, one of my first times going to a tailor. I get this tux. Okay, I get these tuxedo shorts made, show off the legs well, and then I got these very expensive shoes. And in my eyes, I was like, hey, I just, I really like, I put real effort into this. I went and got it tailored, like I got this whole thing. They're not shorts, they're tuxedo shorts. This is a big, people wear these, this is okay. I got this jacket on, it's flashy, it's tux. I got this bow tie. I mean, I'm doing it. Like, I feel like I'm buying in here as much as I can because this is the world I do want to be a part of. So then I'm sitting around WrestleMania day wearing the same thing for probably five, six hours. And then we're like 35 minutes until showtime. Michael sees me for the first time and he just starts chewing me out. Like he starts, <laughs> just starts chewing me out in hindsight now. Right. I understand that WrestleMania is a lot of pressure on Michael Cole. I mean, there is a lot of things. He sure. has to deal with. The last thing he wants to deal with is one of his commentators uh, being the reason why he gets yelled at by Vince for ruining our kickoff show. Hindsight, I know that. But at the time, I'm like, yo, I've been here for five hours dressed like this, okay? I'm sweating my ass off. I, I, I'm excited for this whole thing. It's a, I'm very pumped to be here. And he just starts yelling at me. Like, I look unprofessional, all this stuff. And I like look at him. I'm like, who are you talking to? Like, I, <laughs> I, like I'm like, what are you? Are you really talking? And he was mad. He was not happy with me. And I think he was mad at me because he feels as if, you know, I put him in a position where he could potentially, you know, 
He said no jorts. He never said no tuxedo shorts. And I tried to explain that to him. But at the time, that conversation was getting lost. And to be fair, I can't imagine a scenario that a conversation has ever needed to be had to explicitly say no tuxedo shorts. (laughs) That's probably not something that people deal with on a regular basis. So anyways, so he had uh, I got sent back into like a a dressing room or whatever after there was quite a give and take between me and Michael Cole. And then him. And uh, Pelagato had to go talk to Vince to see whether or not, because I, I had no backup. I had no other clothes. That was it. I only come that. We're 20 minutes until showtime. So there's literally nothing anybody can do. I have big, small waist, so they weren't going to be able to tailor me anything. I mean, it was, we were in a position where it was either, hey, this is it or not. And they had to go ask Vince if it was okay. And uh, Vince, I was told his words were, I'm hip. He looks good or something like that. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, so oh, that's that's amazing. I'm checking out there. The internet was not happy about the shorts either. The, the wrestling internet was not happy with the tuxedo shorts. Michael Cole wasn't happy with the tuxedo shorts. I mean, it was a night I'll never forget, obviously, for all the wrong reasons. But I think if you listen to me on a microphone, I think I crushed it. I think I crushed it. And ultimately, you got the one man's blessing that is required, no matter what, above all else. So, I mean, you're, you're well, good to go. They had to show him LeBron James was in, like, uh, tuxedo shorts for a game. They showed him like a picture. They're like, hey, here's kind of a new style. And Pat McAfee has this same style. style. Are you okay? I'm hip. Yeah. I'm like, my guy. I've never met him before, but my guy, I appreciate you for doing that. Me and Michael Cole have a great relationship. But that one is a night I'm sure we'll talk about like 15, 20 years from now. (laughs) Well, you survived. You made it. You got the, you got the, the boss's blessing and you were part of WrestleMania. Who else have you have you interacted with or have you had any one of those moments where you're like, oh, my God, this is kind of surreal? You know, back in catering there, when I'm at those events, like Ric Flair will walk in and it's like, sir, like it's an honor to meet you. You know, it's like just like the amount of legends that come and go out of the building. There was one time I was sitting in Gorilla. Michael Cole was trying to uh, show me how it all works, you know, and I just was happy to sit in there and John Cena walked in. Okay? Mm-hmm. John Cena walked in the Gorilla and I had just watched Ferdinand. Like two days before okay. that, which doesn't get enough credit for how good of a movie it is. I saw it in the theater with my kids. Hell of a movie. Hell of a movie. Good story. All Cena does is make bangers, by the way. That's right. right. <laughs> he just makes bangers. So he walks in and he sits right behind me, right? So as soon as he sits down, he's right behind me. I'm like, I should probably not be sitting where I'm at. Why is he behind me? Like, I feel like I'm weird. So he comes up to shake. Uh, Michael Cole's hand or whatever and Michael introduced me to him and I'm like hey John Ferdinand was a banger that's literally the first thing I say or whatever (laughs) and he goes like thanks he was like super kind he walked out but you know like I mean Vince walked in that night Stephanie walked in the gorilla that night Shawn Michaels is obviously there Triple I mean it's just the the litany of legends that come and go it's like it's a dream it's it's unbelievable then you shake their hand and you meet them and it's like Oh my God. Like, I don't even know how to tell you, like, thanks for everything you've done, like for my life, for entertainment. Like, and you don't want to get into that because you want to try to play it cool. And it's like, Hey, you're awesome. All right. Take care. Like that's, that's pretty much how the conversations go. It's just, you see everybody. It's like, damn, damn. It's almost like a damn, 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 damn. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, I can appreciate that that mindset in that I remember the first time it really struck me was I think my first WrestleMania doing commentary, which is Orlando. And they were running through rehearsals the day of and the boss was standing at the top of the ramp, which was three and a half miles long. And he was just standing there with his headset on, just directing traffic, doing what he does. And I walked up and thanked him and wished him happy WrestleMania. And he was grinning from ear to ear. And I just remember thinking, 
this guy is more or less responsible for my childhood and who I am today. Like in a, in a grand, different manner than a parent, but like, it's kind of, it's weird. And now to have a face-to-face interaction with him, a relationship with him, where I can make jokes with him or he'll tease me about things. And it's like, whoa, what is life? You know, <laughs> it's yeah. very strange to me. It's crazy. It really, it is, it's insanity. And then once you meet these people that they're so cool, it's, it's, it's so, it's a really cool world that I've been very lucky to kind of get involved in and be allowed to be a small part of. It's like Undertaker, for instance. Mm-hmm. I met Undertaker shortly after getting cussed out by Michael Cole after coming back into, really, he's sitting there and I'm like, sir, like, thank you so much. He probably just saw me get yelled at, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, there's just so many, there's so many. It's, it's your entire childhood coming to life right in front of you. And then the modern superstars, like, they're all so cool. It's just, it's cool. It's very, very cool. I want to flesh it out a little bit more because I mentioned it during your epic NXT TakeOver 30 show-stealing matchup with Adam Cole. Uh, you you are uh, very familiar with a certain king of Friday Night SmackDown. Oh, you're talking about uh, Baron Corbin. Correct. Hey, he's a bad guy. What is what is happening? He's just... <laughs> That, that was perfect. To be fair, you mentioned several times that we grew up miles from one another, uh, literally. And Corbin and I were super tight when I was still wrestling. I basically stayed on Corbin's couch for half the week because I was commuting from Tampa to Orlando, one of my best friends in the world. And he, I think we saw you in some other sports capacity on a sports network or something. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's my boy. Oh, OK, cool. Never at the time did I realize you were this rabid wrestling fan and that you would you and I would eventually cross paths so regularly. Talk to me about your uh, your relationship with, uh, as we knew him, Football Tom. Well, Football Tom uh, and I were rookies together at the Indianapolis Colts. We spent plenty a day and night together trying to figure out our lives on whether or not we would make it into the NFL. I was drafted in the seventh round, pick 222. And for those that don't know football, if you're drafted in the seventh round, yeah, you're probably going to have a chance of making the team, but there's also a chance you're not going to make the team. So Tom and I got a chance to hang out. I think he stayed at my house for a little while. We went out a lot. We befriended each other. And just like you and I started this conversation with, we had a common bond, which is wrestling. So we knew a lot about each other. He and I are very different people. I think everybody would know that. But you and I, very different people. But the wrestling was kind of our bond. And as we worked out and went out and ate and had drinks together and everything like that, trying to see if we we're going to make the Colts or not, we had a lot of conversations about, hey, this doesn't work. Like, we're going to go try wrestling. By that point, I was already 1-0 against Warpig in South Charleston. <laughs> he, was a, he was a Golden Gloves boxer already, diehard wrestling fan. I mean, we had real conversations that were like, hey, if this doesn't work, we're going to go try to wrestle. And it was a very real conversation. They weren't like just like throwaway conversations. It was a very real conversation. And we grew tight. We grew friends. He got cut from the Colts eventually. He ended up going to the Cardinals. And then I got a chance to watch him on the WWE Network whenever he was trying to break in. They had the behind the scenes footage of NXT and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. And I was just so proud and so happy for him following his career. And we kept in touch. And then obviously, as I go and do commentating for the kickoff uh, panels and I start getting into it. He was a guy I leaned on heavily to ask him like, Hey, if I have a question, who should I ask? Cause I didn't want to step on any toes. So, uh, old King Corbin, he has been a guy that I've leaned on for conversation. I think a lot of people have for a long, long time. I'm a big fan of that man as a human and as a, as an entertainer. 
One of one of my favorites. Hey, he's a weird dude, though. Collecting hey, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what is he doing? I, I think his interests have more or less turned, though, from collecting human skulls to more barbecue-based now. He's really into just just creative ways to cook delicious dead animals, which I, I, I support wholeheartedly. It's, it's quite a life. He's got a kid now, too. He's, he does. He's got a beautiful baby girl and a beautiful wife at home. It's, uh, he's doing well. He, he's, he's doing very, very well. Your, your post-Colts careers, while very different, both wildly successful, which leads me to my next question. What is next in life for Pat McAfee, oh, for the brand? I have no idea, Court. I mean, I have no idea. I'm going to do my show daily. Okay, so Where can people day- find your show? Plug your stuff, man. You can plug your stuff on mine. It's not good enough. Too much of me is not. Just if you find me, you find me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I will do... I will do my daily show. I will continue to do the daily show. I think that's the only constant in my life at this point. Uh, I assume Mr. H and I are going to have a conversation about if I'm going to get back in the ring or what's going to happen there with my relationship with the WWE and NXT in general. Uh, But other than that, football season's right around the corner, so I'm excited to get back in there. Hopefully that happens somehow. Uh, You're just going to just show up and you're going to walk on and end up on another NFL team? I thought about it a couple years ago. I I I know. That's why I said that. (laughs) I thought about it. And nothing's shocking when it comes to McAfee. They go, oh, hey, guess what? He's actually going to be the next guy to ride a SpaceX rocket to the moon. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. I do have a plug with Elon Musk, I've been told. So, Really? I, I've been told that there is a chance me and old Elon have a uh, recorded conversation at some point, so look for that. I could have been lied to, though. I could have been lied to. I mean, that happens as well. Uh, new information comes and goes every single day, but I know The Daily Show will continue. Uh, I hope to obviously remain in the wrestling world. I, I'm so like looking back on Saturday, obviously wish I would have won. But aside from that one loss, I'm still undefeated. So um, aside from that, it's just everything I've gotten to do in the wrestling world has been something that I like. I get that feeling before I do it that I don't get to experience a lot. Like I, I got a feeling like there, there's something to like knocking off and doing something that you've wanted to do your entire life. So hopefully something in the wrestling world or I guess that is TBD. The show will stick around and I'll probably end up saying dumb things into a microphone in random places again. And I just kind of enjoy the hell out of it. Hopefully don't die. I can relate. Dear, well, you're doing, doing a great job before I let you go. There's something I wanted to tell you that I didn't get to tell you on Saturday or after, as it was a crazy weekend. Of all the things that you did this weekend that got the world talking, the old school wrestler in me, the the one that would be the guy going, oh, he doesn't belong here. He came from the NFL, much like I was with Corbin before he became one of my best friends. The fact that after it was all said and done, I watched you walk around the ring and thank everybody for participating in the crowd who are all NXT wrestlers and up and coming talents. And from my perspective, I have the utmost respect for the fact that you did that. That was the coolest thing rather than just going, hey, thanks. I came and did my thing and I'm paying attention to my people that I directly have contact with. The appreciation you showed for everybody. And I'm only saying this on this show because hopefully some of the talent listens to realize like how cool that was. Um, I just want to take my hat off to you for having that appreciation and love and respect for our world. And that is why I think you will always be welcome back. Well, Thank you for acknowledging that. But to me, it's just, it was the right thing to do. I mean, it of course. Is, with, with my match, though, with my match, I wanted to show respect to the business. And I, I think that was something that, as a wrestling fan, I always hated. When the outsider came in, 
I feel like they didn't put any – like, you're not going to go play in an NBA All-Star game or a celebrity game and not at least, like, put up a couple shots beforehand. I think Rosenberg does that every season. He just shows up. Oh, well, you <laughs> at least practice a layup, though. Like, there, there's at least a thought of that. And it, when you watch these – most of these outsiders, not all of them, obviously, you, you talk, there's some great matches that have happened, but a majority of them, it looks like the person didn't even attempt to learn about the business. They weren't a fan of the business, watch the business. And for me, the biggest thing was I want to respect this business. Like, I, I want to – the people who have made a living in here, whenever they watch me, I want them to think, like, okay, that guy at least cared about the business a little bit. So for me, that was everything. And the fact that the the reception, it was the way it was. And the fact that people were out there banging on glass and everything like that, like I was just very, very thankful, very appreciative and very lucky for a spot at TakeOver 30. And I knew that. Right on, man. Before I let you go, because I know you're a busy man, you never stop. Let's say hypothetically, we're going to stir up the interwebs again. Let's say Pat McAfee has the opportunity to step inside of a ring one more time in the near future. Who is he going to try to kick in the head? Well, I don't love that Adam Cole kicked out of that punt. Okay. I okay. Don't love that. <laughs> okay. I don't love that. I would like that to be known. I do not love that. Okay. He kind of pimped on me too with the Adam Cole baby while I'm laying there damn near dead with a broken neck from getting flipped on my head. So, I mean, <laughs> that is, that is something that I watched back and I was like a little bit of an interesting move there by Mr. Cole, but uh, you know, hey, Triple H pushed me pretty hard when he pushed me out of that NXT arena, didn't he? He hey, sure did. did. He, he did. Sure did. did. I mean, there that first push, I was like, okay, he's trying to back me up. Second push, I was like, excuse me, pal. Excuse me here, pal. And now, granted, we've had conversations since then because we had to handle business for the match, obviously, and everything like that. But I'm thinking deep down inside there, whenever he was pushing me, there was a little bit of a thought of, hey, what if this guy falls on his ass right now? I'm completely okay with that. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I love it. There, there's a bad habit of things being put into the universe here on ATB that somehow manifest themselves on our television screens. But, hey, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to hang out today. You are always welcome here. I'm always willing to uh, appear on any of your 95 platforms because I have a damn great time. Give my best to the boys, and you are always welcome on ATB. Thank you for having me. The honor was all mine, sir. Can't wait to chat with you again. Well, that was fun. We should do it again. Pat invites me on his shows, of which he has about 11 these days from time to time. So I'm sure we will have to have him back again. Who knows what the future holds? If I'm a betting man, which I am, I would bet we see Pat McAfee in a ring sometime again in the near future. Before I leave you, throw a little zen at you. This is from entrepreneur Calvin Ayer. He's a bigwig in the MMA community behind the scenes, was he says, some people are unbelievably scared to fail, but embracing failure is actually an empowering thing. There's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Thank you one more time to Pat McAfee for joining ATB for the brand. Follow us at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join the conversation with the hashtag After the Bell. If you're using Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, shoot us five stars, and help spread the word about the greatest sports entertainment podcast in the world. If you're using an Android, ATB's on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts, so you never miss an episode. And you can follow me at WWE Graves. And also, before I run out of here screaming, I would be remiss to say how, even though it has only been several days, I already miss my close, best personal friend, Renee Young. Just want to wish her good luck. I know she's going to kill it wherever she chooses to end up. Keep an eye out for where she ends up. Me, I'll be back here next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, 
and more WWE after the bell.